my favorite news magazine carries a regular column called The Book List. And every week, they ask some celebrity author to give his or her six favorite books on a particular topic. Well, a couple of weeks ago, the celebrity author was Penn Gillette. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with that name. I, I didn't know that he'd written a book. I knew that Penn Gillette is a famous comedian and illusionist, and he's a big-time promoter of atheism. So it was no surprise to learn that his best-selling book is called God Know. And it's a book about atheism. And so my news magazine had asked him to supply his list of six favorite books on that topic, on atheism. Well, the first five books were not a surprise to me, but the sixth book came out of left field. Let me read to you what he wrote about his sixth selection. If you're considering becoming an atheist, read the Bible. Read the Bible from cover to cover. No study guides, no spins, just read it. And sometime between when God tells Abraham to kill his son and when Jesus tells everyone to put him before their families, you'll be an atheist. Interesting. Now, now I happen to think that there are thousands of people at Christ Community Church who would beg to differ from Penn Gillette. Am I right? Okay, people who, whose exposure to God's word has not led them to become atheists, but to become committed followers of Jesus Christ. You know, many of you have found this to be a credi credible book, a book filled with truth and with wisdom for your life. And I would like to think, and this is probably self-serving to think this, that the relevant teaching you get week in, week out at our weekend services has something to do, it's made some contribution to your love and your respect for God's Word. We're in the third week of a five-part series called Church Matters. Church Matters. We're looking at five key ingredients, five components that we try to include to every, into every weekend service here at Christ Community Church in order that this become an indispensable part of your week, a must-get-to gathering. And so the first week of this series, we considered inspirational vision casting that goes on week in, week out at our weekend services. Last week, the topic was passionate worship. Passionate. Did you worship any more passionately today, by the way? See, I won't ask. Uh, this week, the topic is relevant teaching. And if you brought a Bible with you, which I hope you did, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to take a look at four aspects of relevant teaching that I hope makes this teaching personally helpful to you week in, week out. You know, life transforming. Uh, as you get your Bible out, by the way, I know that some of you are going to be turning uh, your electronic device on to find the passage for the day, Ephesians 4. And if you do, let me just encourage you to not go anywhere else on that electronic device, okay? Because it's one thing to be texting and whatever when you're supposed to be having a conversation with somebody else. That's kind of rude. But it's another matter entirely when God, the God of the universe, is trying to speak to you and you've tuned him out and you're looking at the weather report and you know what games are on this afternoon and so on. So pay close attention if you're going to use your, your iPhone or your iPad to the scripture today. We're going to look at four aspects of this relevant teaching that make it life impacting. Number one, this is pastor-taught teaching. Okay, Pastor Todd, if you got an outline, 
Uh, take it out, fill that first blank in, pastor taught. If you're looking for Ephesians 4, let me give you a little more time to find it. I'll give you some background to this text. The Apostle Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are special abilities that Jesus gives his followers. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've surrendered your life to him, you have at least one, maybe multiple spiritual gifts, special abilities. Now, the particular passage we're looking at, Paul is speaking about gifts given to the leaders of the church, gifts that will help them lead. So we pick up the text in verse 11. By the way, just an aside, if you're wondering what your spiritual gifts are, oh, wow, I've got gifts? Uh, we've got an eight-week curriculum called Serving. And you could pick it up at the adult ministries counter at any one of our four campuses. You could do it on your own, but even better, look up a group, a community group that's doing the serving curriculum together and discover what your spiritual gifts are. So, verse 11, these are gifts given to the leaders of the church. It was he, Jesus, it was Jesus Christ who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Now, we're, we're not going to look at the first three of these five gifts. We're going to focus on pastors and teachers, the last two. And Bible scholars tell us that in the original Greek text of verse 11 here, these are actually one category. Okay, the, the pastors dash teachers. They, they go together. It's a hyphenated category, two sides of the same coin. Pastors who are teachers. Now, We've got a lot of staff at Christ Community Church. We've got many pastors. Some of those pastors are pastor teachers. Uh, some of them are pastor administrators. Some of them are pastor counselors or pastor whatever. And the first point I want to make today is that when it comes to our weekend services at Christ Community Church, the relevant teaching is done by pastor teachers, people who have the gift, been given the gift by Jesus Christ of teaching. Now, I would love to take a poll, but I won't. In fact, don't you dare raise your hand when I ask this question, but I wonder how many of you have ever had to listen to a pastor who does not have the gift of teaching? It's a painful experience, isn't it? I hope you haven't had that, that experience at Christ Community Church, by the way. So, several months ago, I was headed to the zoo, and I was going to the zoo with, uh, with Tito, uh, our new high school pastor at the St. Charles campus and his family. So we had his three girls in the back of the van. And Tito and his wife Molly have done an exceptional job as parents teaching their kids how to engage adults in conversation. So we're pulling out of the garage, and little Eve, nine years old, in the back of the van says, so Pastor Jim, what do you think your spiritual gifts are? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, Evie, I'd like to think that at least one of them is teaching or I've been subjecting lots of people for years to pain and torture at Christ Community Church. So interestingly, this uh, book of Ephesians that we're looking at today, its senior pastor was a guy named Timothy. And we know, thank God, that Timothy had the gift of teaching because in two other New Testament epistles that, that Paul wrote to Pastor Timothy, he said this. Uh, this is from 1 Timothy 4, verses 13 and 14. Timothy, devote yourself to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift. So thankfully, Timothy had the gift. Now, that is not the only qualification that we look for in a weekend communicator. Let me spell out a few additional qualifications. Before I do that, let me ask this. How many of you saw the movie about 10 years ago, Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio? 
Okay, to me it was kind of a, a scary movie because it's a true life story. He plays the part of Frank Abagnale, who was a, a real life imposter. He was a con man. And he played at a variety of uh, professional jobs, uh, conning everybody. Eventually he was caught. I mean, he, he played the role of an airline pilot, a, a, a hospital pediatrician, a lawyer, several other uh, professional jobs. He got away with it for a while. By the way, he was, he, he was caught. You know what he does today? He works for the government. <laughs> I'm not making this up, yeah. Uh, so, so I'm watching this movie, and what I found scary was this. Here is this unqualified guy doing stuff that involves people's lives. I mean, how would you like to discover that, that the pilot of your plane has never taken a flying lesson? How would you like to discover that the, the pediatrician operating on your child in the hospital has never been to med school? Okay, here's, here's my point. At Christ Community Church, we believe it's important to have qualifications for the weekend communicators because we're trusting them with our spiritual lives. So giftedness, as I've already said, is one of those qualifications. A second one is, is training. Now, I want you to go back to Ephesians chapter 4, and for a moment, drop from verse 11. We just read verse 11 a moment ago. Drop down to verse 14. In verse 14, the Apostle Paul gives us one of the positive results that we should expect to see when a pastor teacher does the job well. So verse 14 reads, then we, speaking of the church, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. See, a pastor teacher's job is to make sure that people are getting accurate biblical truth so, so they don't fall for the bogus ideas that they're going to encounter every day of their lives, a bogus ideas that we're going to pick up from the media or we're going to pick up from our friends or we're going to pick up from best-selling books or from college professors. We can even pick up bogus ideas from well-intentioned but sometimes mistaken radio preachers or Bible study leaders or Christian authors. So a pastor teacher's job is to make sure that people are getting accurate biblical truth. And that assumes that the pastor himself or the pastor herself has been trained in accurate biblical truth truth that they've gone to school for Bible, for theology. Now, if you've been around Christ Community Church for any length of time, you know that I'm not the only uh, weekend communicator here. We have a teaching team. And I'm so thankful for the other two guys on the team, for Jameson Ross and, and for Eric Ferris. And we learned early on that these guys are gifted communicators, but we weren't willing to settle for gifted. We want a gifted and trained. And so both these guys, while they have college degrees, we ask them to go back to school and get master's degrees in biblical studies. In fact, both guys are enrolled right now part-time in school at Wheaton Graduate School. Not surprisingly, they're both straight-A students. You know, I knew that Jameson was smart because he married my daughter Rachel, but, you know... <laughs> Finding out that Ferris is, is smart as, as well. So we're adding to giftedness training. Okay, let me give you a couple more qualifications that we look for in weekend teachers. Time. Time. Now, I, I don't know how long it takes uh, Jameson or Eric 
to put together a sermon, but I could tell you for me, it takes me about 20 to 30 hours in a week. 20 to 30 hours. I'm spending time studying God's word. I'm reading through Bible commentaries by scholars. I'm researching, reading other books and articles on the topic that we're looking at. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm asking God's spirit, okay, what is it in the text that we're looking at that you especially want me to emphasize with Christ's community church? It takes time. By, by the way, this is one of, the, one of the reasons that we don't ask our regional campus pastors to do weekend teaching. So if you're watching me right now in Bartlett or Blackberry Creek or DeKalb, the reason your regional campus pastor is not doing the teaching is because we know that would take 20 to 30 hours out of their week, and we would rather have them spend their time doing leadership stuff. So we export the teaching from our St. Charles campus, and we found this to be a good balance. In fact, here's an interesting statistic. Most church startups never grow beyond 100 to 150 people. Okay, most churches that, that begin never grow beyond 100 to 150 people. I think that one of the reasons that's the case is, is because you've you, you got a pastor trying to get a congregation going, and he's got preaching responsibilities 20 to 30 hours a week and leadership responsibilities, and there just aren't enough hours in the week to do it all well. So at Christ Community Church, our strategy for our regional campus has been, let us do the teaching and you guys focus on the leading, and evidently it's working. Because back in 2004, we began a campus out in DeKalb with 150 people, and it's pushing 1,000 people now, eight, eight to 900 people every weekend. And down in Blackberry Creek, those of you at Blackberry Berry Creek, we adopted the Blackberry Creek campus in 2007, and it's doubled in size since then. And even Bartlett, if you're watching it, Bartlett began a little over a year ago, 150 to 200 people already. So we've discovered that good teaching takes Time And so we've given our campus pastors a pass in that regard so they can devote their time to other things. Now, one last qualification uh, for our weekend teachers. We've looked at giftedness and training and time, and the final one is accountability. One of the jobs of the elders, the uh, spiritual leaders of Christ Community Church, is to pay close attention to what is being taught in our weekend services to make sure that what I'm teaching right now you know, is biblically sound and it's, it's practical, it's applicable to our lives, it's winsome in its presentation. And I'll hear from the elders if it's not, as will, as will our other weekend teachers. Now, now, I hope that makes you feel safe. Aren't you glad to know that I cannot get away with saying whatever I want to say? That it's constantly being evaluated by a team of godly leaders. And friends, let me just say to you, that's one of the advantages that our weekend services have over the Bible teaching that you're going to get in any other venue. Okay, what you're going to hear at our weekend service is carefully scrutinized Bible teaching. Now, that doesn't even happen in our community groups. I've got to be careful here because I'm not dissing our community groups. I think they're wonderful. We've got 400 and some community groups. If you're not in one, I hope you'll get yourself in one. But occasionally, I'm a little nervous, and it makes me a hard prayer for our community group leaders because I recognize that there's no way we could monitor them, that we could be in every one of those 400 groups every week. And so we've got to work on the honor system, that, that those of you who are community group leaders... That you're, you're not deviating from what's being taught here at our weekend services. 
Okay, they, they, you're not meeting your, greeting your group with, well, I know Jim said or Jameson or Eric said, however, I feel, don't do that, okay? Be, because you're to be teaching what's in accord with what gets taught here because what's taught here is being carefully scrutinized by our elders. So, Christ Community Church weekend sermons, pastor taught, number one, by people who are gifted, trained, investing time, and accountable. Number two, this is application-oriented teaching. Application-oriented teaching. Sue and I did a a marriage uh, series last fall, and in the series, I used as an illustration our new cabinet depth refrigerator. Uh, Some of you remember that illustration because if you've been in my house since, uh, just about every Christ Community Church attender who comes to my house goes, ah, that's the cabinet depth refrigerator. And it was an illustration of how I, I needed to learn as we were remodeling our kitchen to listen to my wife's input, okay, and to weigh it. She's the one who wanted the cabinet depth refrigerator, and it was the right choice. However... Several weeks after it was installed, the ice maker stopped working. This was after I used the last illustration, so I get another illustration out of this. When it was installed, the the installer put the manual on the counter, and he said, be sure to read this. And, of course, I I looked at the cover, and it says in bold type right right on the the cover, you know, read this before operating your, your new refrigerator. So what do you think I did with the manual? Yeah, I did what you do with your appliance manuals. I put it in a file somewhere. I forgot about it. And then one day, the ice maker stopped working. And so I dig through the file, and I get it out. Why? To find the 800 number. So I call the 800 number, and I say, my ice maker's not not working. What do you think the first question they asked me was? Yeah, you guys are so smart. Did you read the manual? They said, you know, there's a whole page of trouble shooting tricks if your ice maker stops working. Now, now here's, here's my point. Some of us treat the Bible like it's one of those appliance manuals. You know, we don't really get into the Bible because we just assume that it's filled with a lot of technical, spiritual information that's not very useful for our everyday life. And I want to tell you, friends, the Bible is incredibly practical. I want to tell you that the Bible is God's manual for wise living. Now go back to our text. Go back to verse 12. Okay, we've been reading about these pastor teachers whose job is to faithfully teach God's word, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. To prepare God's people for works of service. What we teach at our weekend Christ Community Church services is intended to prepare you to serve God in a purposeful way throughout the remaining six days of your week. You know, I mentioned to you a few moments ago that the senior pastor of this church in Ephesus was a dude named Timothy. Paul says this to Timothy about the Bible in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. He says, Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the people of God may be perfect, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. The aim of our Christ Community Church weekend teaching is not to fill your head with a bunch of Bible facts. 
It, it's to equip you to lead a God-honoring, God-serving life. It's application-oriented. Now, let me just say as an aside, this is one of the reasons that we tend to teach in topical series. Okay, we'll do three or four weeks on some particular topic. As opposed to, you know, what a lot of churches do is their teaching is they'll go verse by verse through a book of the Bible and they'll come to the end of that book of the Bible and start a new book of the Bible. And occasionally people ask me, why don't we do that? Why do we do this topical thing instead of the verse by verse through one book after the other? And the reason is we've discovered over time that topical series have a huger impact on how people live, what they do, how they apply God's word to their lives. Sometimes the verse-by-verse approach will skim over a topic and not park on it long enough for people to really get it and start living it out. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, We're actually going to do one of those verse-by-verse series after Easter. We're going to go through the New Testament epistle of James. Take a dozen weeks to do that between Easter and June. I'm really looking forward to it, already starting to study it. Uh, My men's community group is going through the book of James. I told them, you're doing all the preparation work for me, guys, uh, for these sermons coming up. But I know the closing verses of the epistle of James deal with the topic of prayer. So you could bet on the fact in that closing message, at least one of my points is going to deal with prayer. One point in one sermon. What do you think the likelihood is that you're going to be a better prayer as a result of one point in one sermon? You might miss that point. You may be daydreaming when I get to that point in the sermon. You you may be on vacation and miss that sermon. See, back in fall, we think that prayer is so important, we did a four-week series on it. And I don't know about you, but it it takes me like three or four weeks of getting hit by the same topic, week after week from different angles, before I finally get it and I start living it out. It makes changes in me. I grow. So that's the reason that we do, we do topical Bible series. It's because we want to be application-oriented. We are not content with, with producing people who know the Bible. We want to produce people who live the Bible. Now, a couple of footnotes to this point. First, let, let me say plainly that just because our teaching is topical does not mean that we're failing to give people a thorough knowledge of the Bible. I mean, every week at Christ Community Church, our topical messages are grounded in a biblical text. And so we'll begin at the beginning of the text. Sometimes we'll use more than one text, but most often it's just one. Today we're beginning uh, at at verse 11 of Ephesians 4, and we'll work our way through verse 16. Last weekend, Pastor Jameson taught from Colossians 3. The week before that, I launched the series taking a look at Matthew chapter 16. So it's it's always a biblically-based, let's walk through the text and see what God's saying to our lives. You know, so sometimes I'll hear people infer that the topical approach is kind of bible light. No bible light here. Okay, no bible light here. In fact, I I would go so far as to say some of the greatest communicators in the history of the church have been topical preachers. You say, like who? Like Jesus? (laughs) Yeah, read his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's a topical approach to to preaching. Uh, One of my favorites, besides Jesus, is uh, Charles Spurgeon. He was a 19th century pastor in London 
His church would sometimes draw as many as 10,000 people for a weekend service, and the dude always preached topically, one topic after another. In fact, every weekend before I come to preach at Christ Community Church, I read a Charles Haddon Spurgeon sermon because the guy just stokes my fires. You know, I love, love to hear what he has to say about God's Word. So topical doesn't mean Bible light. And the second footnote that I want to make about this application-oriented teaching is that by focusing on the application of God's Word, not just the knowledge of God's Word, our weekend sermons are able to cover a wide spectrum of people. You know, folks are, are always asking me around here, you know, how do you prepare for a sermon that's delivered to such a wide variety of people. You know, you got thousands of people, four different campuses, and as some of you walk through our doors, you're still skeptics. Uh, you're hardcore unbelievers, you doubt everything you hear, but you keep coming. Some of you are spiritual seekers, you're a little closer, you're not yet committed Christ followers, but you're very interested in what the Bible has to say to your life. Some of you are new believers. You know, in the last six months or couple of years, you've put your trust in Christ, you've begun to follow him and get into the scripture. Some of you have been around the Bible for five years, ten years, thirty years. You say, well, how do, you, how do you put together a sermon that addresses all these people? Well, the fact of the matter is, if we were knowledge-oriented, I could never do it. Okay, if we were knowledge-oriented, no matter what I, what I did, you know, those of you who are beginners, you would say, well, this is too, too heavy for me. I mean, this is like seminary. It's over my head. And those of you who've been around the Bible for 10 years, 20 years, whatever, you'd say, wow, this is pretty light stuff. You'd be complaining on that end of things. Now, there's nothing against a knowledge orientation, and I hope that every week we're, we're knowledge-oriented as we give you the background for the passage and we discover, uh, we discover what is meant by particular words or phrases and we unpack what the Scripture says. That's all about knowing the text. But because our focus is application-oriented, we all stand on level ground in that respect because we all got to do something with what we hear. We all got to make application to our lives. I mean, let me just scroll through some of the series we did last year, 2012. We launched the year with a series on generosity, you know, how to become a generous person. Okay, let me ask you, is that for beginners or mature believers? What is it? I hope it's for everybody. And we followed that up with a, with a series on self-control. We, we, we said, hey, people are waging battles with pornography and with what comes out of their mouths and with overeating and with materialism and self-control. Is that a beginner topic or a mature, mature believer topic? I think it's for everybody. You know, then we did a series called Who Am I to Judge? And we said, you know, avoid both extremes. You know, don't say that you're never to offer a discerning opinion. On the other hand, don't, don't walk around with a judgmental attitude. You need to know how. You need to, to, to know when to address things. Okay, I, th I think that's for everybody. And then in the summer, we did a series called Grit on godly character, and then in the fall we did a series on prayer, and we followed that up with a series on, 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 on marriage. I don't think any of this is grade school stuff, do you? Okay, just because we're doing it topically? I've got a doctorate in biblical studies, and I could tell you that every one of those sermons, man, it's nailing me. In fact, my 
my rejoinder every time someone comes to me and says, oh, it's like you were speaking right to me. It got me right here. I say, well, if it's any consolation, I was aiming at me. Okay? I'm, that's what, when I preach, I'm trying to take the text and say, okay, God, what, what do I need to hear and put into practice in my life? So application-oriented teaching allows us to cover a wide spectrum of people. I don't think any of it's just for beginners or just for the mature. Relevant teaching. It's pastor-taught. It's application-oriented. Number three, it's Bible-based. And I've already said most of what I want to say about this aspect of our weekend teaching. But let's go back to Ephesians 4 because I want you to see what Paul says about this. Look at verse 13. Let me read verse 13 to you. Paul says that these pastor teachers, they're teaching you God's word to prepare you for life. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, Paul says here that when the pastor teachers do their job well, it produces Unity. You see that word, middle of verse 13? Got your own Bible, just circle it or underline it. Unity among the Christ followers in that church. In other words, everybody gets on the same page, and it's a page out of God's holy word. Unity. Now, I want to note especially the two phrases that follow the word unity in verse 13. The first one is unity in the faith. Now, when Paul uses the word faith here, you need to understand he's not using it as a verb. He's not talking about the act of believing. He's talking about objective content. He's using it as a noun. He's talking about the doctrinal truths that are foundational to the Christian faith. Not every weekend service that we do at Christ Community Church is a how-to series. You know, yes, we try to teach the Bible in an application-oriented way, but, but sometimes we do series that are, are not as much focused on practical applications as they are on basic doctrinal truths that God asks us to believe. For example, last, uh, last year we did a series called Sola. Were you around for that series? Sola is a Latin word that was used by reformers of the church back in the 16th century. They were trying to bring the church back to its biblical roots. And so they rediscovered and beat the drum for five pillars of the Christian faith. This is what Christ followers believe. And so we did an entire series on that. Our Sola series wasn't as much an application-oriented series as it was a belief-oriented series. Not so much about how-tos as about doctrinal truths. Paul says in Ephesians 4.13 that it's important for us to reach unity in the faith, to be on the same page, doctrinally speaking. And go back to verse 13. Look at the second phrase that follows the word unity. Unity in the faith and unity in what? Say it. Knowledge of the Son of God. And so another type of, uh, of non-how-to series that we do at Christ Community Church are those series that focus on the life and the character of Jesus Christ. Now, when I say that these are non-how-to series, I, I don't mean that there won't be anything in these series that you can apply to your lives. There's, there's always something to apply, but I'm saying that our focus in these series is not so much on an application-oriented topic like generosity or self-control or marriage as it is on getting to know Christ. 
So last year, we did a a five-part series leading up to Good Friday and Easter. And for five weeks, we just took a look one week after another at the events of Jesus' final week of life on earth. You know, leading up to the, uh, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And we just kind of soaked in getting to know Jesus. And then last month, December, you know, leading up to Christmas, we did a five-part series on names given to Jesus at his birth. His name shall be called. Because we just wanted, by the time we got to Christmas, we wanted to have a deeper appreciation of who Jesus is. So weekend teaching at Christ Community Church is is Bible-based. Sometimes it's going to focus on practical life issues. Sometimes it's going to focus on doctrinal truths or insights about Jesus. But all of it is going to be drawn from the pages of God's holy word. Just a footnote to this point. Uh, From week to week, I can also guarantee that I will be stepping on your toes. I should say God's word's going to step on our toes. Because none of us lives a life where our behavior and our beliefs are totally consistent with God's word. Can we just admit that to each other? None of us, none of us sitting here at any of our our four campuses today is living a life that is totally consistent belief-wise and behavior-wise with God's word. So when we teach God's word, there are going to be some ouch moments. And I just want you prepared for that. In fact, if there aren't ouch moments, you're probably not listening very well. There are ouch moments for the pastor as as he preaches. And so before you write me an angry email because of something I said that offends you, you know, ask yourself the question, am I offended at Jim's words or God's word? There's a a difference. Now, I may sound say something from time to time that is needlessly offensive, in which case you can take me to task, and I'll I'll try to apologize. But there will be times when what really offends you is what God has said. He stepped on your toes. And that's okay. That's that's why we're here. Okay, Bible-based. Number four, fourth aspect of our weekend teaching that makes it indispensable for your lives. Number four, it's mission-driven. Now go back to Ephesians 4. Let me read the last two verses of today's text. Again, Paul is speaking about these pastor teachers, verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, you know, as they speak the truth to us in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, in preparation for this current Church Matters series, uh, we invited you to email us with questions that you have about Christ Community Church. You know, what? why do we do what we do? A lot of good questions came in. One of the questions I was asked went something like this. You know, why do so many of your sermon applications have to do with participating in the church's ministries? instead of just the the, the nitty-gritty of people's personal lives. Well, let me say I'm glad you noticed, okay, because that's absolutely true. Good question. And and my my, my first response would be this. I don't think that we avoid the nitty-gritty applications to personal lives. I mean, I could go back and rehearse that list of series we did last year 
There was some hard-hitting application throughout every one of those series. You, you talk about generosity, and that, that brought up the topic of getting out of debt and living by a budget and so on and, and so forth. And then we got to self-control, and we had to deal honestly with some of the things in our lives that are out of control, and we put our finger on those things. And then the whole series about judging, you heard in the video a dad say, hey, that was helpful for me to learn that, you know, if it's a speck, what the heck, if it's a plank, I got to be frank, and it's, you know, work with my kids as I'm mentoring them as a dad. So whatever the series was, I think there was plenty of nitty-gritty, hard-hitting stuff. However, let me quickly add that I make no apologies for aiming a fair number of my suggested applications at your participation in church ministries. So throughout any series, you're going to hear me challenging you to join a community group or serve in kids' world or give up a week of your vacation time and travel on a go team to Nicaragua or show up for an Ignite evening of prayer and worship or make a generous year-end gift to the Lord's work or care for the poor by coming on a second Saturday with us. These are ministry-oriented applications. And here's the reason why I recommend those ministry-related applications. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says that the end goal of the teaching pastor's sermon is to build up the church. To build up the church, to equip people to work together in the church. You see that in verses 15 and 16? Oh, why? And what is so important about the church. Well, if you were here for the first weekend of the series, I hope you know the answer to this question. You know, the church has a supremely important God-given mission to accomplish on this earth. T together, God wants us to win a spiritually lost world to him. Together, God wants our coordinate, coordinated efforts to save people from the penalty and the power of their sins. And so the pastor-teacher's job, according to this text, is to play the role of a kind of a head coach who pulls the team together once a week and offers them instruction and then coordinates their efforts for the accomplishing of this mega purpose. So you see, the weekend services, the weekend teaching at Christ Community Church is not just a succession of self-help talks. You know, I, I hope that you're individually helped. But if that's all we're interested in, we could go to Barnes & Noble, we could go to a local Christian bookstore and pick up a, a book on whatever topic we're wrestling with. But, but that's not the sole purpose of our teaching. Our teaching is to coordinate the efforts of a winning team. And this is the reason, friends, why it's so critical that you get some Bible teaching every week in this particular venue. Now, I know there are other outlets for you to get Bible teaching from great outlets, Make yourself, uh, you know, take full opportunity to plug into those, whether it's radio preaching or it's a podcast of your favorite communicator, you know, or it's a Bible study outside the church led and taught by, by, by somebody. But it's not enough to say that, okay, that suffices. So if I miss weekend teaching, you know, what does it matter? I get what I need. This is unique teaching that you get at a weekend service. It's head coach teaching, if you would. And, and I hesitate to use that analogy, number one, because it sounds so grandiose, and, and number two, because we just fired our head coach in Chicago. So it's kind of a dangerous position to be in. 
you know. But, but let, let, let me show you what I mean with the use of an analogy. I don't know how much you know about how football teams practice, but, but they don't always just do a full team scrimmage during practice days. They'll often break up into squads. And so, for, for example, the wide receivers, they'll go to this corner of the field and they'll just do drills. They'll run past uh, patterns or they'll practice downfield blocking. I mean, what a wide receiver does blocking-wise is equally important to catching the football. In fact, they'll do a lot more of that than catching the football in any given game. So all these drills. Now, let's say on this team that come game day, the wide receivers don't show up. So the head coach starts calling them one at a time at home, and one after another he hears, oh, coach, listen, I got plenty of football throughout the course of the week. See, I got all the instruction I needed to be a good wide receiver. So, yeah, don't really need to be there today. What's the coach's response? You say, this is an absurd analogy. You're right. It is absurd. It is absurd to think that that, that, that would happen because the, the whole reason for getting the instruction through the week is so you pull it together and under the instruction of the head coach now who rallies you, you go out on the field and you win the game, which is what you're all about. Friends, I want so desperately for you to be part of Christ Community Church's team. You know, what makes the teaching you get at a weekend service indispensable is that it's geared toward helping us accomplish our mission together. A lost world is at stake. You know, the relevant teaching you hear at our weekend services is mission-driven. No apology for that. And it, you know what? It seems to be working. Because when I look at what God is doing through our church, when I look at what God is doing through you, it's really amazing. I mean, even now, as I'm speaking right now at four campuses, there are hundreds of people who have rolled up their sleeves and they're serving in some capacity. And right now as I'm speaking, there are 23 people from Christ Community Church who've given up vacation time to fly down to Nicaragua, uh, many of the medical professionals. People, as I'm speaking, are probably standing in line waiting for medical care from these folks who will not only share good uh, medical help, but also the good news of Jesus with them. When I see this going on, I say, it's working. Okay, we're rallying the troops, we're playing as a team, we're accomplishing God's mission for us. This weekly 80-minute service is indispensable for our lives. One of the reasons being we need relevant teaching that is pastor-taught, application-oriented, Bible-based, and mission-driven. You get it? Good. Stand with me. I'm going to turn things over to our campus pastors. Who are going to close at their campuses, and I'm going to wrap things up here in St. Charles. Let me just remind you, when I say amen, there will be uh, prayer team members on the far side of the railing. Uh, if there's anything you're going through, maybe even the flu has hit your family hard, and you just would like prayer for healing, take advantage. Don't hold their hands while you pray, but take advantage of those those. Uh, prayers, and I'll be up front here if I could meet and greet. If you just want to come up and say, you know, that was like a great sermon. <laughs> Whatever you want to say. If I could pray for you, I'm up here and be happy to do that. Let's pray. God, I pray that uh, even though this was one of those here's who we are sermons, 
that, that's not meant to be uh, topically about some issue of our lives. My prayer is that we'll leave this place saying, thank God for Christ Community Church. Thank God that we're walking according to what the Bible says we ought to be doing as a church. And even for those, God, who are still in the skeptic camp or in the seeker camp, I pray that what's been shared today would whet their appetite, would give them a sense of, wow, I'd like to be part of a team like that, a mission-driven team. And God, may we fulfill the role. May we get into your word this week in community groups and on our own and eagerly come back to hear a taught next weekend because we want to be about your eternal purposes in our world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.